The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Roger Lula to break down the game against Maryland last weekend. The win number six hangs over Nebraska's head just a little bit longer as they drop that game 13 to 10. I would ask you your initial reactions, but I think it's probably the obvious. (laughs) (laughs) What's been developing over the last few days for you? Yeah, I mean, it's Nebraska's just in a spot with their offense, specifically the quarterback position, where I don't think there's going to be good answers left in the season. The only thing that I think the coaching staff has to find are what are the least detrimental answers in terms of the overall uh, the overall football team's concern, right? The defense continues to play really well. The special teams has started to play better after having a, a rough couple weeks there, but they probably need the special teams to step up as well. What can they do on offense to complement those things and to, mm-hmm. instead of actively working against them? Because that's where Nebraska's been at, especially in that Maryland game with the five turnovers. I mean, the minus three margin against Michigan State in turnovers is pretty big as well. You can point directly to those things and say, hey, that's why Nebraska doesn't have seven wins right now, not just six. Yeah. And so to me, it's less about, hey – how do we find the right answers? And it's just how do how do we find the least harmful answers mm-hmm. to what they're doing on offense? Not that you have to give up on development and things like that, but there's two games left in the season. I don't know how much development you're actually going to get, especially from a guy like Jeff Sims, who's played a ton of college football already. I don't know how much he's going to change. And a guy like Chubba Purdy and Heinrich Harburg, who haven't played a ton of college football but are both a little banged up. Harburg maybe even a little more than mm-hmm. just a little banged up with that ankle. You kind of look at it and say, hey, there's two games left. Let's get to the end of the season and find a way to get that sixth win. Even if a bowl in and of itself isn't that important, going to Las Vegas isn't that important, the development you can get with the extra practices is something that Nebraska has sorely missed out on. I think I added up the number of practices they've missed out on since they last made a bowl game, and it's pretty close to triple digits. It's either high 90s or low 100s, if I remember right. That's 100 practices of development you've missed out on. 
that is as important as anything, whether it's, you know, the trip to Las Vegas, like, yeah, we all want to go out and go to Las Vegas and watch Nebraska play football, right? But getting better in that time period is something that I think Matt Rule and staff can actually do. And so whatever it takes to get that sixth win, and frankly, just a morale standpoint mm-hmm. heading into the offseason, I think whatever you can find a way to do that, that's what has to be done on offense and kind of put the development part of it to the side for now in the short term. You know, the thing that's difficult is this defense has got a lot of appreciation all season long, but this was a game where it felt like this could have been the defense's game, Mm -hmm. the recognition to win the game, and they did almost everything they were capable of of doing that for this Nebraska team. They had the turnovers. Mm -hmm. They had the interception. They forced them. And – you know, it's it's interesting because we see that part of it. We see the turnovers and we see how dominant they are. But Maryland had 10 penalties for 92 yards. Mm-hmm. A lot of them were pre-snap penalties. And I think maybe um, for, I don't know what the perspective was, but it felt like, oh, no, Maryland, what's happened with Maryland? A lot of that goes to all the pre-snap movement on Nebraska's defensive side. Like, mm-hmm. how impressive is that area of their game if we're going to highlight some positives sure, here? Sure, absolutely. For just the stuff that people may not be recognizing about this game and what the defense did that doesn't always – show up on that stat sheet yeah I mean so but before I get into the defense one of the positives is you mentioned penalties Nebraska's yeah. had one penalty in the yeah. last two games yeah it's been eight quarters yeah and for the first seven they had zero penalties yeah and then they had one in the eighth quarter mm-hmm. of that two game stretch and it wasn't a procedure penalty it wasn't a mental mistake yeah. it was a subjective pass interference yeah. call guy trying to make a play you can live with that right mm-hmm. those are the penalties you live with yeah. and was it in a the worst case scenario in terms of the drive that was happening and everything, absolutely, right? But from the big picture standpoint, you have to be thrilled to death because this was a problem earlier this year. Yeah. It's not like it was, hey, Coach Rule came in and all of a sudden the penalties are gone. This was a problem within like a month ago. Yeah. And they've all of a sudden been able to flip the tables. You know, one game I look at and say, okay, maybe it was just kind of a fluky thing. Two games in a row with a single penalty total – to me, they've been able to improve in that area pretty dramatically. So if we want to talk positive, that's where I start. Secondly, you mentioned the defense that may be causing some of those procedural issues with Maryland. I do think because of the more unique style that Nebraska plays, they and the fact that they bring in so many different guys, yeah. whether it's um, at those defensive end spots, whether it's at the jack position, um, even in the defensive backfield, bringing guys in and out. I do think that not only the movement, but also the the player personnel in there, because a lot of times you'll kind of try and key on guys and say, hey, if this guy's in here, they're bringing a blitz, or if this guy's in here, they're dropping back into coverage. That's not really something you can do with Nebraska because they do so many different things with so many different guys. And I do think it creates a level of confusion for the offense, especially an offense, let's be real here, in Maryland that despite having really good numbers on the season, has struggled as of late. They only put up 15 points against Penn State. I know that's a pretty solid Penn State team, but they only put up 15 points against Penn State. They only put up 13 points against Nebraska. I I think when you've got an offense that's sort of trying to find itself again and you add in all those variables that Nebraska's defense does, you get what you saw Mm -hmm. on Saturday, which is kind of a confused and discombobulated offense. Yeah, and it was at times it felt like – this Maryland team might just self-implode. You saw the outward expression of emotion Mm -hmm. towards one another, all the penalties. But I kind of teed you up because I have a question about the penalties. So Nebraska is in the top 20 for least penalized team right now in the NCAA, which Mm -hmm. is pretty impressive, like you said, with the start that they had. But year over year, we're we're averaging over 60-plus penalties a season, costing them over 500 yards. So, so far this season, a definite 
just improvement that you can actually visually see yeah. game to game. And just the discipline is, is the, probably the part that's most impressive. And focus. Focus. I think is a big yeah. One. yeah. And so this conversation came up during the game, actually, because of the the turnovers and the penalties. And it's, it's a lose-lose question, but it's an, <laughs> it's an interesting one when you look at it. So would you rather have a team that is penalized maybe like a Maryland team was against Nebraska and it – makes the game really close when it shouldn't be or it costs you the game or would you rather it be the turnovers that make the game close or cost you the game um i i would take the penalties okay now that might be because we're living through a situation yeah. where turnovers are just submarining what very easily could otherwise be an eight win team i mean there's no reason other than turnovers that nebraska isn't in the exact same spot as iowa right now because look at the look at the last two games that's two yep. of them right there yep and then Minnesota, boom, mm -hmm. that's eight wins right there. Mm -hmm. Three three-point games, all determined by turnovers, right? So it's really hard for me to sit here and say, hey, I'd really like to have, I'd really like to keep the penalties cleaned up because I think turnovers more directly lead to winning and losing than penalties do. Do you want to be not as heavily penalized? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But it's easier to overcome a penalty than it is a turnover. Right. And when you're turning it over as much as Nebraska, I mean, Nebraska, if they had had five penalties in this game would have been like, ah, oh, they're kind of getting penalized a lot. They had that many turnovers in this game. Right, right. A much more dramatic impact on winning and losing. So for me, it's a no-brainer to take the turnovers. And the other thing, as we've kind of seen with the penalties, I think penalties are easier to fix. Yeah. And I obviously the turnovers are not that yeah, easy to fix. Point. Otherwise, we'd have fixed them by now. So to me, it's it's those two things that I, I think it's easily turnovers. Yeah, and I think it proved itself in, in this game because it was whoever could play cleaner football. Yeah. But at the end, the turn giving the ball back to the team, even though penalized, they got the, the extra shot. But it, it, we know it's a we know it's a point of focus for this Nebraska team. It has been week after week. It went from taking care of the fumble situation to now figuring out the interception situation. And we've talked about the mental battle there between all these quarterbacks and just throwing hasn't necessarily been the strong point for any of these quarterbacks so far that have gone in the game, whether it be it's not Heinrich's strong point or Jeff Sim is just trying to find his groove and his footing. And there's just a lot of hesitancy in that pocket right now. And another team that's facing that is Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. And I said this earlier, but it's oddly enough that these two teams are sharing a lot of similarities. You don't say that often between right. Nebraska and Wisconsin, two, five and five teams, the obvious, the quarterback situation, and then two brand new head coaches that were, you know, highly looked at going into mm -hmm. the season. People kind of thought the fickle rule situation could have been interchangeable on where those coaches went. And then they're also on a little bit of a skid right now. Two, two losses in a row for Nebraska, three for Wisconsin. You said this game doesn't feel as daunting, but where are you feeling it stands right now where, where this Nebraska team is, and we've mentioned it being a night game at Wisconsin. Yeah, I mean, so that's the most daunting part about it for me is the the circumstances, right? Yeah. The situation, the location, the time. You know, that is a place where y y they can get pretty juiced up, and especially in a night game uh, in Madison, I imagine, I haven't checked the weather up there, I imagine it's going to be chilly because even if it's decently nice for November in Madison, by the time the sun goes down and it's 630, yeah. it's going to be cold. Yeah. So, you know, there are certain college students that find ways to, to, to keep warm uh, in the cold like that, and it, it makes them louder. Mm. Uh, let's just put it that way. And so I think it's going to be a pretty uh, hyped-up atmosphere. Yeah. It generally is anyway um, at Camp Randall. And so that, to me, is the thing that I'm most concerned about for Nebraska is just kind of the hostile environment. It's going to be uh, the most hostile environment they've been in probably all On year. On the road. Um, uh, Maybe Colorado. since Colorado. Yeah. Um, but – 
you know, it's it's been a long time, you know, that we're talking two and a half months ago at this point uh, with that Colorado game. So that's my biggest concern from a, you know, tactical football standpoint. I actually think I like Nebraska and where they're at more mm-hmm. than I like where Wisconsin's at because Nebraska, or excuse me, Wisconsin started the season four and one. Yep. Right. Yep. They're on a. They've lost not just three in a row, but four of their last five. Yep. They almost lost to Illinois in their only win in that stretch. Um, they were down in that game and found a way to come back and win. I think they're in a more challenging spot from a first-year head coach culture buy-in that situation. We don't know if Braylon Allen's going to play in this game. He had only had three carries for three yards against Northwestern, a Northwestern team that. Nebraska beat, by the way. Listen, this is a really, I think, critical time for Wisconsin, even more so than Nebraska. Does Nebraska really need to get a sixth win? Absolutely. But I think this coaching staff can survive an offseason that they went five and seven and get through that without having people kind of bail on them. If you start four and one if you're Wisconsin and then end up missing a bowl game, Mm -hmm. that's a tough sell. And so I think from a football standpoint – I like where Nebraska's at a little bit better. From a culture standpoint, I definitely like like where Nebraska's at a little bit better. And I'm not hating on Luke Fickle. I love Luke yeah. Fickle. I think he's a great football coach. I, full disclosure, wanted him overrule yeah. when this was happening. And I'm not sure a lot of people know this, but I'm pretty certain if the contract had not get, gotten worked out with rule, it would have been Luke Fickle at Nebraska. Um, from what I've, you know, the little birdies. Yeah. In my well, it ear. felt like those are, those, those are the two top, they rose to the top for yeah. most of those, those positions that were kind of lingering there. It felt like those are the two names that kept coming and to the surface. I, I you know, I, I have it on a source I consider reasonably good that it would have been Luke Fickle, mm-hmm. or at least he would have gotten the job offer. Mm-hmm. Whether he takes it or not, I, I don't know. But it was, if, if rule didn't work out, then Nebraska could be having the Luke Fickle experience right now, which I don't necessarily think is a negative, right? Yeah. I think Luke Fickle's a really good football coach. I think Nebraska got the right guy, though. Yeah. And you saw the major difference, I think, in the way they went about year one in their programs. Luke Fickle went for the let's ri- win right away strategy, which made sense for where Wisconsin was at as a program. They hadn't fallen as far as Nebraska had. Mm-hmm. And Rule kind of al- – the whole time seemed like he was building for the long term. He seemed like he was okay pretty much no matter how this season went. Obviously, they were going to try and win, but it was more about yep. development, culture, buy-in, all of that stuff for Rule. Now that you're Wisconsin and the win-now thing didn't work out, because people were talking about this 9, 10, 11 wins for this Wisconsin team, and going into the year, I mean, look at the look at their schedule. The only, the only game you look at as a loss is that Ohio State game. Everything else is super manageable. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they're here at 5-5 five and five now, I think they're in a worse place right now as a football program than Nebraska is. So that's going to be a really interesting dynamic when they get on the field Saturday night. Yeah, I, like I said, I keep saying it feels like, once again, a response game. Who can yeah. come out and respond mentally? For both teams, yeah. Ment- yeah, for both teams. And I feel like every single time I've said that about Nebraska, I have to say that about the other team too because the week prior something tough happened to them or they're having a cultural look yeah. in the mirror situation. So Maryland was on a long losing yep. streak coming into the uh, yeah, so game too. It, it, over and over again, I feel I have like a broken record, but it, fe- <laughs> it feels kind of like that's been the situation every, every week at, since – Michigan, really. Basically, yeah. Yeah. Well, mentioned it a little bit, but Nebraska will make a game-time decision on who's playing quarterback mm-hmm. this Saturday. We know the high ankle sprain situation for Heinrich. 
but if you had to predict the situation, who do you think runs out there on Saturday night? Yeah, I think it's I think it's Trevor Purdy. Okay. Um, and part of it's because at this point, the unknown of Chubba Purdy is more appealing than the known of Jeff Sims. I think Heinrich Harburg's ankle is is going to relegate him to emergency quarterback status. I, I don't think they want to put him out there in a position where he can't use his biggest asset, which is his legs. Yeah. Um, and we saw it earlier in the season with a similar injury, at least the way it's been described, a high ankle for Jeff and Heinrich that it, it took a couple weeks before they were comfortable with the idea of Jeff as more than an emergency quarterback. I think we're going to be in the same spot here with Heinrich Harburg. So I kind of put him over to the side and I'm looking at Jeff Sims or Chubba Purdy. And for me, I've said this on the show this week, but I have a really hard time imagining a scenario in which the offense, the defense, the entire team goes out and is feeling any kind of confident if they know Jeff Sims is the starter that week. And maybe that's not fair to Jeff, but the, what he's done on the field this year has been so dramatically negative with the turnovers in the very short number of plays. I think the number is like 70 plays and 10 turnovers on the season that he's been responsible for. That's something that I don't know how you can see that and know that and have gone through that as a team and be like, yep, we're, we're real confident trotting out there with that guy again this week. If you go out with a chump of party, maybe you're a little unsure, but you don't have this long track record of mistakes kind of playing in the back of your head. It's like the preconceived notion kind of thing. Yeah, and, and you know, it's the same kind of thing we do with draft picks, right? Yep. You get kind of enamored with the unknown, and sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't, but it's you've we've spent so much time with Jeff Sims already that we know all of his flaws, and I feel like we're at the point where we can't live with them anymore yeah. in terms of him being the starting quarterback. Now, if Chubba's groin injury gets tweaked or aggravated or whatever, and he has to, they have to move on it back to Jeff Sims from that, that's maybe something. But I think if the coaching staff says, hey, this is our starter, and you go into the week knowing that, I can't imagine that's good for the mindset of the team. Yeah. Well, I always like to ask about this because Coach Rule likes to keep it pretty real with us, pretty transparent. 37-minute mm -hmm. press conference yesterday. Yep. What what caught your attention? Yeah, so there were a couple things. The big thing for me um, was almost the over-exaggerated kind of ownership and accountability that he takes for his program. Because, you know, we sit here and we know, like, it's not his fault necessarily in a real specific sense of what's happening in the quarterback room, right? That's not his specific job. Does he oversee everything on the football team? Yes. But this is a situation where it's like, hey, there's something specifically happening with Satterfield and the quarterbacks and the offense that Rule probably doesn't have his fingers in to the extent that like a Scott Frost would have with the offense when he was actively involved in making play calling yeah. and making decisions and things like that. So um, the thing that stuck out to me, though, is that's one of the things that I really like about him mm -hmm. is I know it's not his fault directly, but I also know he's never going to throw his guys under the bus. And it's not just that it's like, oh, I like that he's saying the right things because I actually do believe him when he says them. What I like is it's modeled behavior for what he wants from his players. Mm -hmm. He wants his players to take ownership for situations. He wants his players to take accountability for what goes wrong, even if, right, even if they're just 1% at fault in a situation. 
take ownership for the 1%. If you're 90% at fault in a situation, take ownership for the 90%. But if you're Matt Rule and you're the head coach of this football team, he understands. Like, well, I hired Marcus Satterfield. Maybe it's not my fault that the quarterback situation is going the way it is, but, you know, I signed off on Jeff Sims being the, being the transfer guy that we brought in. You know, he has a hand, whether directly or indirectly, in everything that happens with this football team. So even if he is only 1% at fault, I like that he takes responsibility for the part he plays in the situation. And I think long-term, that's really beneficial for the football program because, again, it's modeled behavior for what you want for your players. If you own whatever part you play in something going right or something going wrong, then your players will do the same. It's the biggest issue I had with the last staff where I felt like they made excuses and they didn't really understand that they had control over some things that they didn't feel like they did, Mm -hmm. and I felt like the players played that way as well. I think you'll see that change under Coach Rule, and this was just kind of a reminder in this press conference of yep. that. Yeah, the biggest thing that I appreciated that he said yesterday was not only did he understand where all the criticism comes from and he understands that's your job as a fan, but I think I really enjoyed the explanation he gave in giving perspective when people want people out like mm-hmm. this because that's the biggest question that I had right after – the game when I saw so many people being that critical of Coach Sat and the quarterback mm-hmm. situation, when you understand how many changes yeah. and unforeseen circumstances that are happening on the offense, and then an OC that's still new to this mm-hmm. uh, team and this program trying to figure it out, and for people wanting, yeah. to be, I think for him to say, "What we're going to start all over again?" How much has that happened in the last four years in Nebraska? You know, and how much turnover can there be? So how do you create consistency if you're changing something all the time? So I think that was the biggest thing. And I, I appreciate the explanation because I think you can act like you don't hear it mm-hmm. and not want to give an explanation or you can just say, yeah, it kind of is what it is. But I think for him to stick with his guys and say, hey, I understand why you're upset. Like, we're not happy with it either. Yeah. But what, you want us to quit and go bare bones back to, and, you know, go back to the very beginning and then get these guys on a brand new language, a brand new common language. That's a huge yeah. thing for this team. That's one of the basics, language, right? So yeah. you got to go back to the beginning. And these guys have gone through so much change over and over again. They just yeah. need a little bit of consistency. And that, that starts top down. So we'll see how that plays out this, this weekend. We'll see how it plays out next weekend. We'll be here to recap this game and preview Iowa and maybe whatever happens after that. A Heard at Sports Network production.